welcome to NH Young Adults. You guys can go ahead and be seated. In case we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Abby, and we're so glad that you're here, especially if you're new here joining us for the first time. Thank you so much for choosing to spend a piece of your Tuesday night here with us. And you know, if you are new, I actually wanna go ahead and let you in on something that a lot of people in the room already know, and that's this. For the last four years, I have had the privilege of having the most amazing guy in my life. In fact, I tell him all the time he's the most handsomest in the entire world. Um, in fact, last night we were sitting on the couch together and I wonder if you've ever had one of these moments when you're sitting and you're like, wow, God, you've just blessed me so much more than I just ever could ask or deserve. So I actually wanted to go ahead and show you our photo. Here's us. Now, some of you are probably thinking, well, dang, that guy's a lot more fluffier than what I thought you were hinting at. And I would say you're right. This is my sweet dog. His name is Rhett. And you know how some dog owners come and they say, hey, my dog is perfect. Like I got the best dog ever. Well, I'm here to let you know that that's not me. Okay, I love Rhett. But he has these tendencies that make him a little bit less than perfect. Here's one of those things. For Rhett, I genuinely believe that he does not believe he is a dog. In fact, when he sees other dogs, he wants nothing to do with them. And so like any concerned dog mom, I went out to solve this problem by taking Rhett to a puppy daycare. Yes, for all those judging me, I am one of those people. But these things are amazing. It's where you can drop your dog off and they play with these other dogs. And at any moment when you're gone, you can open up this app on your phone and you can watch what your dog's up to. So I leave Red and I go and I open up this app on my phone and I'm watching all these cute little dogs playing together and I'm sitting there wondering where in the world mine is and I actually took a photo so you could see what I see. Here's what I saw. I don't know if you can tell, uh, but my little guy is on the complete opposite side of the room. Red has just removed himself from all the other dogs. And so I think to myself, you know, it's day one. He's probably just getting used to it. We'll check again later. So three hours go by, and I open up the app on my phone, and then this is what I see. <laughs> He's just sitting in the same exact spot. Like, did you really even move? No, he's just chilling in the same spot he's always been in. So I think to myself, okay, I'll pick him up. We'll try again next week. So next week I go, do the same thing, drop him off, let him go, open up the app on my phone, and to my surprise, Red is not sitting in the same corner he's been in. So I thought to myself, finally, sweet boy is learning. But then I looked a little bit closer, and this is what I saw. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can feel bad for me if you wanna feel bad. Um, we never went back, I never went back there in my life. I just couldn't understand why Red was removing himself from, why he was just avoiding all of these things he deemed forsaken in the form of some no good dogs. And here's why I tell us this story tonight. Because I think when it comes to some things in our lives that cause us just a little bit of discomfort, well, I think just like my dog, Rhett, we much rather remove ourselves and just avoid a situation at all costs when I believe what God would really wanna do is teach us something through it. And what I wanna talk to us about tonight is this four letter word. And from the moment I say this word, an automatic weight is gonna go over the room. Because if we're honest, a lot of us much rather avoid it. But there's two things I know to be true about this word. The first thing is we all have experience with it. In fact, for some of us, it's a distant memory in our past that can still spark about a hurt today. And for others of us, well, it's a very present problem. It's trying to rob you of your attention even as we speak right now. 
Just as sure as I am about this first thing, here's the second thing I know. We all are going to experience it, yes, but we can also all endure it if there's a purpose to it. It's why people will spend hours at the gym lifting weights until their muscles feel the agony caused by this word. But hey, we'll do it if it's for the purpose of achieving our ideal body image. It's why Bruno Mars, he sang a song telling us that he would catch a grenade for you. Now, I never caught a grenade, but I bet it wouldn't hurt really bad, okay? But he would do it in order to protect his girl. Do you know the word I'm talking about tonight? It's the four-letter word called pain. See, isn't it fascinating that we can endure pain if there is a purpose to it? And God is not the author of our pain, but he does specialize in causing all things to work together for good, even our deepest pains. The question becomes, will you remove yourself from it? Or will you walk through the process with God, allowing yourself to be refined by it? See, I spoke earlier how we all have experience when it comes to this word pain. And pain is actually what's present in the scriptures we're going to read. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, I'm just going to be honest with you right off the bat because we're in the house of the Lord. We got a whole lot of scripture tonight. Welcome to church. So if you have a Bible, great. If not, it's going to all be on the screen for you. But while you're turning there, let me go ahead and give you some context to this scripture. See, in 2 Kings chapter 4, we come across this woman who's experiencing some pain. And this woman is in close proximity to a prophet of God named Elisha. And life for a prophet, well, it was often full of pain. Because so often, prophets were the ones being shunned and judged by kings because the kings saw the connection to God that the prophet had as a threat to their reign. And so make no mistake, when we open up this passage tonight, Elijah serves to us as an example of a person of God who's experiencing some pain. Because just because you follow Jesus and you're kind to other people, doesn't make you exempt from experiencing life's pains. But I believe that tonight, through this passage, we can learn more about the process God takes us on as he faithfully works pain for our good. So if you're ready for the word of the Lord tonight, I want to hear you say, I'm ready. Are you ready? God's word says this, starting in verse 8. One day Elijah went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. So let's make a small room on our roof. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elijah came, he went up to his room to lay down. And he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shemanite woman. So he called her. And she stood before him. Elijah said to him, tell her, you've gone through all this trouble for us. So what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elijah asked. Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband's old. So Elijah said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elijah said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. So Elijah's just passing through the towns. He's doing the work that God has called him to do when he comes across this woman. And the text said that she was a well-to-do woman, which means that this woman was wealthy. She was distinguished. She had all that she needed. 
But when Elijah tries to bless the woman who seemingly has everything, he comes across this one very sensitive fact. The woman doesn't have a son. So Elijah promises what she stopped praying for. And what about you? What things have you stopped praying and pleading with God for at his feet because you feel as if your prayers are hitting some ceiling? This woman is hurting, but Elijah comes and he promises the very thing she stopped praying for. And did you catch how she responded? She said, no, my Lord, please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. In other words, she's saying, don't mislead me. I've already asked for this before. I don't want to come and get my hopes up again. This woman has been hurt before. So instead of responding to the promise and praise, she's just trying to push down the pain of her disappointment. But Elijah gives her a personal promise. And he doesn't just say that you will have a son. He says you will hold a son in your arms. He's giving her this tangible picture to hang on to. The one thing that she wants most in the world. And I wonder, if there's anybody here tonight and like me, you're hanging on to a personal promise from God. Maybe it's a word or a dream that you couldn't have thought of yourself, but God has placed on your heart. And you were having to trust that God is going to be exactly who God says that he will be. See, the text continues on. And it says, but the woman, well, she became pregnant. And the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son just as Elijah had told her. But then... Not even one verse later, it says the child grew. And one day he went out to his father and he said to his father, my head, my head. And after the servant had lifted him up and carried him off to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon and then he died. And the woman is faced with their deepest pain she didn't even ask for in the first place. Has your life ever been interrupted by some uninvited pain? Pain that makes you say, my life wasn't supposed to be this way. Maybe for you, you thought you'd be married by now. You thought there'd be a ring, the house, the call, the job offer. You, maybe for you, you were finally starting to feel peace. And then that anxiety started creeping back up again. You were starting to dream again. But then the doctor called you. You were finally starting to let down your walls. And then that person ghosted you like they did. You were getting excited about some things in your life. And then that person so close to you passed away. This woman is experiencing some hurt, all because some uninvited pain came and interrupted her story. Can you relate? But listen, circumstances change, and our God does not. His steadfast love never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Hear me, God may allow pain, but he'll use it to teach us something through it. Because there's something to be learned in the process of pain that you can't learn if we just skip to the promise. And so that's why tonight, I want us to look at three attributes those who endure the process of pain learn. So here's the first thing. And I'm gonna be honest with you, this side of the room, they talk back to me, so I'm gonna need your help. It's gonna be on the screen. I want us to go ahead and read it out loud together. Ready, go. Run to God. Run to God. Those who endure the process of pain, they learn to run to God. After the woman discovers the news about her son, the text goes on and says that she called her husband and she said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so that I can go to the man of God quickly. And her husband looked at her and said, why go to him today? He asked, 
It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. So she set out and came to the man of God. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, look, there's a Shemanite woman. Run to meet her and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. When she reached the man of God of the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask my Lord for a son? She said. Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? Talk about experiencing some uninvited pain. This woman has just discovered that her son has died. And her husband comes up to speak with her, and she pushes past him saying, it's all right. And as she makes her way to the man of God, his servant comes up and says, hey, how's your child? How's your husband? And she goes, oh, it's all right. Young adults, we don't need to define the Hebrew word for it's all right to know it's not all right. Because I'll tell you what this is the equivalent to. Guys, this is when you're talking to your girl, and you say, hey, babe, what's wrong? And she says, nothing. I'm fine. I will speak on it. Okay, you gave it some time. I'm telling you, she's not fine. In fact, even though it's Tuesday, you're going to hear about something that you did on Sunday. It's not all right. This woman's son has just passed away. But the woman is exhibiting one small discipline that will result in a significant victory. She runs to God. She's on mission to run to the one who started it. See how many of us run from the process of pain in a place that is ultimately powerless. I'll tell you one thing I do personally. If somebody makes me mad, like real mad, I'll go home and I'll have an emergency conversation that's totally imaginary in my head with one of my best friends. You're not in the back, you get me. And I'm over here and I'm like, you never believe what they just did. And like, I'll talk back for the person for them, you know, all the things. <laughs> and then I feel the Holy Spirit go, you done yet? When are you gonna actually process this thing with me? Wow. Oh, can you say conviction? Okay. See, God has given us a community to do life with, but nothing can satisfy like Jesus. The woman pushes past her husband because he's not the source of her satisfaction. The woman pushes past the man of God because he's not the one who made the promise. She's on a mission to run to the source, the man of God, Elijah, who made the promise first. See, we can run to God even in the most painful places, even when we don't have all the details yet because we can know the one who started it. And we learn most about our pursuit of God on the backdrop of our greatest pains. And when we know this fact to be true, we can endure the process of pain with our eyes set on our ultimate hope, our God who has a track record of never letting us down. So those who endure the process of pain, they learn to run to God. But here's the second thing. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write this one down. Resolve to never stop trusting God. Those who endure the process of pain, they resolve to never stop trusting God. After the woman meets with Elijah, she begs him to come see her son. And the text goes on. And it says, when Elijah reached the house, there was a boy lying dead on his couch. So Elijah went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Elijah turned away and walked back and forth in the room, and then he got on the bed and stretched out on the boy once more. The boy then sneezed seven times, and then he opened his eyes. 
Elijah summoned Gehazi and said, go call the Shemanite, and he did. And when she came, he said, take your son. So she came, she fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. So Elijah resurrects the boy from the dead. And you might be thinking, wow, what a miracle. Why isn't the sermon over yet? Because there's something I don't want us to miss. See, I wonder if you notice in the text, when Elijah first came to the house, notice in the scripture, can you help me read it? It says that the two of them prayed to the Lord. How many of them? Two. two of them. Elijah and the boy. They're the only two in the room, meaning that the woman is not present. She's having to trust God behind the closed door. And I just wonder if there's someone in the room where you're having to trust God with a situation that you do not yet see. This woman is standing behind the closed door having to trust that God is going to come through for her. And what I love about in the text is it says that Elijah, he's in the room, but Elijah's walking back and forth, meaning that Elijah, he's pacing. He doesn't know how the situation's gonna work out. He just knows he's having to trust God in total submission through prayer. Elijah's on his knees and he's begging. Here's what I want us to know tonight. Your prayers, they're either changing your situation or they're changing you. Both are powerful. And if we're not careful in the church, we can give greater, I don't even know what I'm saying. We can give greater value to one compared to the other. But it's not true. Your prayers are either changing your situation or they're changing you. See, in this room, Elijah's having to learn total dependence on God. And don't miss it. The woman has absolutely no idea that Elijah's pacing. The vantage point she sees is just a shut door and a big faith. I love how C.S. Lewis, he says, God's presence is not defined by a feeling. He may be doing the most for us when we think he is doing the least. Elijah's pacing. The woman is waiting. But through it all, they resolve to never stop trusting God. And we can too. So the woman runs to God. She resolves to never stop trusting God. And she did it all even in the midst of her greatest pain. See, this woman had to be broken before the blessing. There's a brokenness before the blessing of God, a place where you fall on your knees in total need of him. But you know what my favorite thing about the Shemanite woman is? It's that her story doesn't just stop in 2 Kings chapter 4. In fact, if you turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings 8, we see an instance where the woman appears again. See, in 2 Kings chapter 8, there's just been a famine in the land, and the woman has lost her home, so she makes the decision to go and make a plea with the king. And picking up in chapter 8, it says this. It says, after the famine ended, she returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to see the king about getting back her house and her lane. As she came in, the king was talking to Gehazi. Remember him? That's the servant we've been reading about all night long. The king had just said, hey, tell me some of the stories about the great things that Elijah has done. And Gehazi was telling the king about the time Elijah had brought a boy back to life. At that very moment, the mother of the boy walked in. Look, my lord, the king, Gehazi explained. Here is the woman now. Is this true? The king asked her. And she told him the story. See, the king said, hey, tell me some of the stories about God's glory. 
Hey, help me to remember his faithfulness. And then the woman walked in. I told you I had three things tonight. Here's the last thing. Those who endure the process of pain, they produce a story of God's glory. This woman losing her son was probably one of the most painful experiences in her entire life. The very thing that she would probably want to pray away is the very thing that produces a story of God's glory within her. And I wonder, what things have you been praying away that God would really want to use? Could it be that God wants to use that pain, that loneliness, that mistake you made last summer to propel you into your destiny, to change a story? Could it be that maybe God is not punishing you, but rather he's positioning you to produce a story of God's glory that will impact generations? See, when I think about those who have produced the story of God's glory, I think about several young adults here in the room. I think about this one woman in our ministry, and, and she struggles with a diagnosis she has. She has been diagnosed with cancer. But if I told you this girl's name, you would never believe it to be true. Because often you can find her sitting very close to the front row, worshiping. Almost every single Tuesday night. She's a tangible example of how she makes the enemy tremble, saying, you may touch my health, but you cannot touch my praise. When I think about those who've endured the process of pain to produce a story about God's glory, I think about this one guy we have in our church. And he's a guy that can kind of light up every single room. You know one of those guys when you're like, are you really this extroverted all the time? <laughs> one of those. He comes in and serves, and you would never believe the things that he's walked through with his family in the last week. But he comes to so show up and serve anyway. Showing people to not let what is wrong with your circumstance keep you from worshiping what is right about God. When I think about those who've endured the process of pain, and therefore they produce the story of God's glory, I think about the handful of single moms that we have in this ministry, who make the extra mile to find childcare for their children so that they can come on Tuesday night and get filled up themselves, being an example to their children on how to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, there's a common thread in those three stories, and it's not the pain. It's that people are choosing to continue to give God praise. That's the common thread we see. And C.S. Lewis says, God whisper us to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but God shouts in our pain. It's a megaphone to rouse a deaf world. See, in this life, people can avoid the promptings of God, and they can ignore your invites to church. But what people cannot ignore is when a man or woman of God chooses to give him praise in the midst of some pain. And what would it look like for us tonight to make a conscious decision to say, hey, no matter what, God will receive my praise even if it comes packaged in a little bit of pain. Those who endure the process of pain produce a story of God's glory. And God doesn't cause the pain, but he will allow it. Not to hurt you, but to heal the broken parts within you so that you can have evidence of his faithfulness so that you can have a trustworthy track record on what you can look back on. Because if God was faithful to do it once, he will be faithful to bring you to it again. And you don't want to avoid the very place your God is so tangibly present. God is present with you in your pain. So run to God. Resolve to never stop trusting God. Because there's a story of God's glory that's being produced in you that will impact generations. If you're able, would you go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads as we pray together tonight?
Holy Father, God, we come before you, Jesus. And God, I thank you, Jesus, that when we open up your word, you're so good to just use it to speak in the exact circumstances that we're going through, Jesus. But God, tonight I want to do something a little bit different. God, tonight, I just want to invite everybody underneath the sound of my voice. Maybe for you, as I was talking through those points, and I talked about running to God, you would say that that's not something you've been doing. Maybe for you, you've been running to that relationship or that man to give you significance or that girl to give you value over Instagram. Maybe it's been that boss. And right now you want to repent and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Would you take me back again? I want to run to you. If that's you, I would love to pray for you with all heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you just raise your hand? I see you. I see you. Well, maybe you're here tonight. And as I talked about resolving to never stop trusting God, you would say that you stopped trusting him a really long time ago. And that your situation is just so dark that you don't see a way out right now. If that's you, I would love to pray for you right now. Would you just go ahead and raise your hands up for me? I see you. I see you. Well, maybe you're here tonight. And there's a part of your story that brings you just a little bit of shame. And you don't know how God is going to make a way through it. But you want to surrender your life completely to him. To say, God, whatever your purpose is, I'm here. I trust that you're going to redeem that situation and that you see me better than I see myself. If that's you, I would just love to pray for you. Would you go ahead and raise your hand? I see you. I see you. Well, Father God, we come before you tonight, Jesus. God, and I thank you, Jesus, that your word says that you are close to the brokenhearted and you bind up their wounds. And so, God, as we're here and we're talking about the subject matter of pain, God, I thank you that you allowed your children to stop at nothing to be here in the room tonight. God, thank you it's by no accident that they're here right now. So, God, I just want to pray for the person that's been running to countless other things. Jesus, I pray today that their God would be a relevant switch, Jesus, where they literally turn and run after you, God. And I pray that they know that you're not the Father who condemns them, but you're the God who's just waiting there arms open wide saying, welcome home, welcome home. God, I pray for the person that just needs a resurrection of trust today. Jesus, I thank you that even when we don't see it and even when we don't feel it, even when we feel like life isn't supposed to be a certain way, you are really positioning us to be exactly where we're supposed to be. That God, while the world would wanna put labels on us, you say, no, that story has great significance in Jesus' name. God, I pray for each sons and daughters, God, that are just saying, God, I'm struggling with trusting you. God, I pray that you would be so tangible to them. That God, even as we worship together, that God, you would speak. That you would cause walls to shatter. And you would do what only you can do tonight, God. Father, lastly, I pray for the person whose story just seems without hope tonight. God, I pray in this moment that you would speak a better word over them. Remind them that you love them, that you see them. It's no, by no accident that they're here tonight. And God, if they're not dead, then you're not done, God. You still see them, Jesus. They haven't run out of time, but that you are with them, Father. Father, we pray, Jesus, for a complete surrender in the room. That we would say, God, no matter what you will do, we will follow because we choose you, God. God, thank you for choosing us just in case we might choose you. Father, help us day in and day out, God, to remember your faithfulness, no matter what we're walking to, to choose to give you glory, even in the midst of our pain. Father, we love you and we trust you. It's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus that everybody said together, amen.
Amen. Well, hey, young adults, let me tell you what we want to do with you tonight. We wrote a song. By we, I mean the worship team. And we just want to have, allowing you to have a moment where you can just sit with God. So allow these lyrics to wash over you. Just be with God. And when you're ready, if you want to stand and worship, be our guest. But allow this to be your moment for you to enjoy with your Father as you remember His faithfulness. <laughs> 